Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hi there. It's January 29th, 2019, and we're with another edition of Homeschooling Helps. I am Andrea Schwartz. And I'm Nancy Wilk. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about something that most people, would, when they look at at first glance, will say, huh? Why, what does this have any sort of place in the curriculum? So we're going to discuss the doctrine of predestination in terms of a Christian homeschooling curriculum. So, Nancy, I'm going to let you set the stage. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about this um, because predestination, sort of like providence, those are, you know, they're words that we don't really use a lot. So, you know, you have to think, well, what does that really mean? And the first time I heard about predestination was years ago, and it was in the context of the the idea of a person's salvation. So did this person decide to follow Jesus or does God already pick who gets Jesus and those who don't? So, so it was limited to a uh, individual's salvation and then subsequently how we, how and if we preach the gospel, you know, can we really invite people to it? tell people to invite Jesus into their heart or decide to follow Jesus. So, so that's kind of where I think a lot of people are on that, in those, on that word predestination. So, right. Okay. Tell us. You know, I think it's good to, to kind of voice what people think is the case or at least objections or questions that you hear. Well, let's break apart the word predestination. Pre is a prefix pre meaning before and destination we're familiar with that is where we want to end up you know mm-hmm. so if i'm going to go to the grocery store that's my destination if i'm going to go visit somebody in virginia like you that would be my destination so predestination would be the defining of what happens ahead of time mm-hmm. and it's true that god from before the foundations of the world decided those who would be part of his elect, part of those, that group of people he chose. And there are some that he did not choose to be part of his elect. We're not going to really discuss that today. That's another topic possibly for another day. But as you pointed out, to limit this to just personal salvation, if it doesn't mean that every single event Every single occurrence of anything since the beginning, remember we started off with in the beginning God. If there's anything that has not been foreordained, for again is a prefix, which means beforehand, ordained, set into motion, ordered, and said this is how it's going to be, then the God of the Bible is not how he describes himself. Mm-hmm. So, If you believe in the creator, which the Bible tells us to, who also exercises providence in providing for his creation and his creatures, 
then we have to say, okay, is there anything that he does not control? Are there any things like chance? Oh, that just happened to happen. Accidental, accidents. Right. Now we use the word accident, we use the word chance, but it's really important that we recognize those are personal perceptions. It sort of reminds me of when um, the occasional time when I would wash my floors and my little toddler didn't realize the floor was wet, ran on out and fell down. And he was crying and he told me that the floor came up and hit him. <laughs> you know, that's exactly how he perceived it. The floor, came, he was standing there perfectly minding his own business and wham, there he was based on the floor. So. Yes, I understood his perspective, but once we handled the tears and everything else, I said, no, honey, that's not what happened. You slipped and you fell down. Mm -hmm. So from our perspective, the floor comes up and hits us. Bad mm -hmm. things happen. There are natural disasters. There are acts of terrorism. There are people elected to office that we don't like. There are illnesses that affect us. We look at history from the point of view as it's a good thing that this happened because then if that hadn't happened by good fortune or good luck, then look where we'd be now. All those things go against the idea of a God who foreordains or predestines everything. Right, right. So if we limit predestination to the, the a perception of a person's salvation or not, then we miss the big picture of the glory of God, his ultimate plan of victory in the Lordship of Christ, and that everything that happened to happens to us is under the sovereign hand of God. Even our next breath, the hairs on our head, every single thing is under that predestined I think of the scripture verse about um, all things work together for good for them that are loved, uh, that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We like that verse, but we don't necessarily recognize it as his uh, pre uh, predestination in our life. Right. Right. So I call those verses that people like to hang on to often get categorized as yeah, but verses. Yeah, God works all things together for the good, but I don't see it. So this can't be good, right? And that's the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. You see, our faith is a gift. We receive faith. It's not our effort to go along with it and root for our team. That's not faith. That's, you know, like I... I, I our side, I hope our side wins. Well, that we don't have to cross our fingers because there is no chance involved here. God has foreordained victory. And we'll get into that in a couple of weeks, what that means. But for right now, we have to rest in the truth that there's nothing that happens that's outside of God's plan. Okay. Now, some people would say, well, I see a lot of things happening that don't look at all like what the Bible says. Sure. <laughs> so, so how do I reconcile that? Well, you see, God's word, he says it in his word, doesn't return to him void. 
So if God says something has consequences, it will have consequences. And so the people who disobey God haven't um, annulled his law. They may have ignored it. They may have worked as hard as they can against it, but then they just become the recipients and those around them of God's curses, much the same way that people who endeavor to obey God follow his commands, know his word and apply it, receive the blessings of God. So in a very real sense, you know, the word privilege is thrown around. We have Christian privilege. Our privilege is that with the desire that the Holy Spirit gives us to obey God, then we get God's blessings. And those who don't do that, they are not as privileged. What happens is they may sometimes get the benefits of God blessing his people, but ultimately they will receive God's judgment in a form in time and eternity that they most likely will not like. I see. Okay. okay. So, so now let's jump to, okay, we talked, this is all about the curriculum. How do we infuse an understanding of predestination in terms of the study of history. What do you okay. think? Well, I think that um, that all of history is moving in um, linear terms of what God has said he's going to do in redeeming a people for himself and ultimately um, the glory, his glory and um, the Lordship of Christ. Right. Right. So if you're going to, okay, you're right. So if you're going to study ancient Egypt, if you're going to study um, the various world wars in the 20th century, if you don't use the template of God's law and God's word, and then look at past events in terms of how has God dealt with people and nations, some who profess him, some who don't profess him, and then Filter your understanding of those events in terms of the word of God and how God was in control the whole time. Sure. We see in, um, in, in scripture where when Israel was obedient, they were blessed. And when they were disobedient, God, God sent other kings and kingdoms and wars against them. And they went into exile and it brought them to repentance. And so we see that in the Bible and we see that throughout history. Um, and we should expect that God will continue to do that in, um, in bringing all things together um, under his order, in his order, not right. other. So in a very real sense, the Bible is the most reliable history book. We get our understanding of origin from the Bible. We get our uh, understanding of the earliest affairs of man from the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk about cavemen who were grunting and you know pulling their women by their hair. Um, that's not what the first civilizations looked like. And when you have a viewpoint that God foreordains all things, you're gonna look at things and understand things differently. Well, today, every bit of secular education is working off a different set of presuppositions. 
The main one is there is no God. He does not foreordain whatever comes to pass. Thus, it's not like they get rid of predestination or foreordination. They just appropriate it differently. Right. So if you want to talk about cultural appropriation, most cultural appropriation on the humanistic side is taking the attributes of God as creator, provider, and predestinator, and just transferring them to man and the manifestation in the state. That's why we have compulsory education. That's why we're moving towards compulsory vaccinations, because you see the state is the creator, the provider, and the predestinator. Right. Yeah, so the state act, or there's uh, the, the state or the public school has its own predestination, its own its own end goal in mind. And so as believers, we need to think about predestination in God's order and ending in um, biblical terms. Another thing that comes to mind is the um, our culture says that um, youth and beauty and these virgin forests and in, innocent babies, you know, like that is somehow where we're supposed to, um, that, that's the ideal. And uh, unless we're working uh, in terms of the state's, you know, um, larger society, that, that's probably for another conversation too. But, but it, it makes me think about how God has made, made Adam a, a mature man, you know, and that that is his predestination for us, that we become mature in our faith and not remain as babies. You exactly. know, like in, in real life, there's a problem when babies don't grow up. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. They, ha they have physical issues. They have neurological issues. Well, in the garden, mm -hmm. Adam was perfect in as much as he didn't have to deal with sin getting in the way of his calling. But I don't think anybody would say Adam's job was easy. I mean, he had to figure it out. God didn't, God told them to take dominion, be fruitful and multiply, but he didn't hand him the instruction manual and said, Adam, I want you to robotically do this. He wanted Adam to figure it out. That's part of God's predestining of man, that man would grow and learn. So the problem isn't being human. The problem isn't that, well, we're only human and we can't expect much. Adam was way smarter than most of us now because we have been polluted by sin. So when Adam fell and all of us fell with him, we come into this world with a deficit. However, the image of God is still in us. And as we're redeemed and we are adopted into the family of God, we recapture a lot of things that sin took away. And so that's why if, you are putting your child in a state school, you are basically putting them in a religious school and don't act like there's neutrality or there's no religion in the public schools. There is religion throughout the public schools. It's just a different religion than the Christian religion. Right. But if you take them home and you say, okay, we're going to homeschool, but you use the same mindset, you use the same textbooks, you use the same orientation, 
Well, I, I wouldn't say it isn't better. Yeah, it's better than having them around a bunch of other people who think they descended from apes. But it's where the homeschooling educator has to make sure he or she remains a student because chances are you have to unlearn the stuff you learned, whether it was in public school or private school, because I went to private school all the way through high school, but we didn't learn the Bible as the basis of all things and to measure all things in terms of the scripture. That's what makes Christian education something that will receive blessing from God. And that's one of the things that that maybe we forget that that's that's also one of the things that makes it so different. The measurement and the test is different than the measurement and the test of the public school. They have a different measurement and test, whereas our measurement is the word of God and our test is faithfulness to God, not the uh, measurement that they may use to say, oh, your child is being is successful or being educated. The, um, the, the guilt, again, back to predestination, the goal is different. Right. So when people see the horrific, see, I'm, in, I'm a Californian, and when you see the horrific things that are happening in California schools and in the California legislature, and this week people are becoming aware of the condition of New York that applauds a law that says you can kill a baby pretty much whenever you want. All right. Yeah. We need to look at this as part of God's foreordination. God didn't go on vacation and say, oh, my goodness, look what's happening in New York. Look what's happening in California. Just like that, the children of Israel, when they turned away from God, God turned up the heat and he got to show he showed them what it's like when you don't obey God, when you're not in constant communication with God through prayer, when you're not following his word. So I suspect and we've talked about this before. As the, the, the fire is turned up, there are going to be more and more people who say, I can't have my children here anymore. And for right. those of us who are already homeschooling, we have to be prepared to go beyond our own families. Not that we're going to teach everybody's children, but that we are going to encourage people is that as a teacher, you've got to be way better than where you've been sending your children because They've been pushing an agenda. When you say the test that they have to pass, well, in California now, you have to be able to um, speak grammatically incorrectly in order to accommodate mental illness and people's rejection of how God made them. Yeah. All right. If you want to call that education, um, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't go near it. And and I think it's time that we start being honest with people and saying, what exactly are you doing that you think God is going to honor this? Yeah. I saw um, something recently that in California, the California schools may be trying to teach the children that there's 15 genders. Is that true? Is that, is that true? Or is well, that once they go beyond two, what does it matter? There will be, <laughs> once there's three or they could be 3000, it doesn't matter because it's right. not true. Uh-huh. I, I know we bought, um, we would look for gender neutral, you know, quote, gender neutral clothes just so it could pass down to the next kid, not to try and hide or deny that we have a boy or a girl here, you know, but so the, the, the Carters would wear out, you know, 
Well, right, but see, even, even this whole concept of gender neutral, somebody started putting children in certain clothes as a marketing ploy that instead of having the same clothes that could be handed down, that if you had a girl, then you couldn't put them in those clothes. The Bible does. The Bible says, make sure that people know whether you have a boy or a girl, that you don't want to dress a boy in girls clothes, etc. But I'm sorry. Um, there are ways to do this without making it pink and blue. Right. And what most people don't know, and I was surprised when I found out that pink originally was something that boys wore and blue was something that girls wore, but because you know they were gonna be just as good as boys, then they took pink, then boys became blue. None of this is in scripture. There's no color designation. Part and parcel of raising boys and girls is you raise boys to be what God calls men to be. So boys are men in training. Yes. Girls are women in training. And the whole idea of gender being anything other than really, I've, we talked about this before, a grammatical term. When you have to have your grammar match in terms of tense, number, and gender, it means that if it's Nancy, I say she. If I said he, as a good grammar teacher, somebody should say, no, that's wrong, Andrea. When you have Nancy, it's she. When you have wife, it's she. And so if we're going to give up language, and I certainly wouldn't want my child to learn language and writing and public speaking in the public schools, because if they wanted to share what they believe to be true with Jesus Christ, they'd be silenced because the same way in your um, home, your Christian homeschool, you don't have times where you're worshiping Allah. That's not what your school is about. Well, the public schools are not about Christianity and anybody who um, continues to subject their children to it is going to have some accounting before God. And there's that verse about millstones and I, I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be there. No, not at all. So you bring up some really important points about where and how we should think about predestination. That's not a word that we should just, you know, leave, leave in antiquity. We need to bring it out, dust it off and examine the predestination and the end goals of what God says and what our, even our public school says, uh, our public school says what our homeschool, our Christian school says. Even there is even a, a sense of predestination when you just said that boy is going to grow up to be a man. There's there's some uh, right. That's predestination. That's the creator providing. So you know the hormones don't show up immediately. That or at least are obvious immediately. But there comes a point where. A female is obviously female at maturity and a male is obviously male. This doesn't discount that there might be some anomalies, but why we make the anomaly, which might have a lot of different causes, the norm has to do with fighting the image of God in man. And so when we look at predestination, let's take science. Why for years did we call it discovery? We had the discovery of DNA or we had the discovery of various elements because God had already created it. Right. We just like Adam was told to do, figure it out because there's benefit in working at it. So let's go back to the curriculum. You have a child that struggles. 
don't try to unstruggle the study. Let the child know that if you're working through math or you're working through writing or you're working through whatever it is, it's good for you because just like Adam had to figure it out and just like inventors of the past who had to take what it is that was before them and put them together, that God requires us to work in that. And it's very important to let your child know in a homeschool setting that it isn't an accident that daddy and mommy are homeschooling you. Right. Long before we knew we were going to do this, God had worked it out. So my children learned that all those years of Catholic school that I went to where I learned how to diagram sentences and I learned my math and I learned all this other stuff, some of it I had to relearn, but by and large, I was prepared to teach them. That wasn't accidental. Right, right. right? Yeah, we don't want to um, take our children out of public school to provide them a safe, not just a safer environment or a more wholesome environment, but to think what it, what does God require of us? And that being our, um, uh, what we want to teach our children. My little grandson told me not too very long ago, he said, man, that's too hard. I said, son, God has made you and he has given you, uh, you have got, you are smart and you are strong. You can do hard things. You know, and so we don't want to teach our kids that, oh, well, you know, let's let's just pick the easy road or the low road. You know, God has called us. He has there's there's things that he requires of us. We need to know what those are so that we can be on track for those purposes. Exactly. So not to leave people without any orientation. So how do I get this perspective? How do I get this knowledge? Well, I have a recommendation and I think anybody who watches this, if they don't already have these three volumes, they're called Good Morning Friends. Um, this is volume three, which I'm gonna read from in a sentence, in a second, not in a sentence, I'll read some sentences, but Good Morning Friends is a compilation of radio addresses that Dr. RJ Rush Dooney gave back in the 50s. And it's particularly fun for me because the first ones were written the year I was born. And let me tell you, that's a long time ago, but let me tell you that the truths are so foundational that it's not hard to see how the man came up with all the other materials that we benefit from. So there's three volumes. You can get them in a set. Um, there would be excellent for family devotions. They'd be excellent for couples devotions. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with homeschooling? It's that curriculum foundation we're talking about, a solid biblical perspective. So my husband and I have used these um, in terms of our daily devotions together before he goes off to work and before I do my thing. But I'm gonna to read to you something that I thought has a lot to do with the subject of predestination. Okay. He says, this is Rush Dooney speaking, I believe literally and fully what Acts 15, 18 declares. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So God knows everything. He has ordained everything. Rush Dooney goes on to say, nothing happens by chance. All things are within the providence of almighty God. That's why we call him almighty, because he's got all the might 
there is. There is no might beyond his. Why things are the way they are is more than I can explain. To understand the works of God, I would have to have a mind equal to God, which none of us have. But this we know, that God is the ruler and in full control, and he is our redeemer and guide. As Martin Luther said, in facing the darkness ahead of him in his day, I do not know the way, but well do I know my guide. And that should be the perspective in terms of how you go ahead and teach yourself, because if you're a good educator, you're continually being a student, but you teach those who God has foreordained that have the benefit of this royal education. Because think about it. There is now the view of uh, the body of Christ being the priesthood, that we are part of a royal priesthood, which means that our children are part of this royal priesthood. They've got responsibilities. They've got things God requires of them. We need to prepare them so that they can receive the blessings of covenant obedience. Awesome. That's a lot to think about. And it certainly does put the whole concept of predestination in our, our calling before God in its proper terms. It's not about us. It's about him and his divine plan and purpose for our life. Let's be faithful to that and instruct our children accordingly. And that's why here's a year, a yeah, but that people sometimes give. They say, well, if God be for us, who can be against us? If the concept of predestination doesn't bring that to light. In other words, no matter what I'm facing, God is for me. If I have the Holy Spirit and I'm not thwarting the Holy Spirit, that I'm living according to how God's word says. That's why the gates of hell won't prevail. Because you have people who are rock solid standing on the rock. That's why I think these homeschool help um, broadcasts and working through the foundations of our faith are so important because if, if you know, if, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for us? That's something he, that we need. Yes, to he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> is God for us? Well, yes. In terms of, um, unless we're living and acting contrary to him and then he'll correct us. So we need to know that as if we are for God and he is for us, that, that we are living in terms of his word and not making it up as we go along. Exactly. All right. I, I think we're coming to the end of our time next week. We're going to talk about prayer throughout the curriculum. Okay. Right. Um, we've had the three P's. We have a fourth one coming, but so far we've handled creator. That's a C. Providence. That's a P. Predestination. That's a P. And next week it's prayer. So I'll see you next week, Nancy. Very good. Thank you, friend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.